Welcome to Grafted, Jewish Roots of Christianity. I'm your host, Stephanie Pavlantos. Today, I have Lucille Alstein. She is a good friend. We have actually known each other for probably four or five years, if not more. But um, when I was teaching Basora Institute, and uh, she was one of my students there for a few years. But now she is in her second year of a doctoral program at TKU, which is the King's University. Her goal is to open a worship center that focuses on Messianic Judaism. She will begin teaching Hebrew 1 at Basor Institute, and she will also have some future classes in Hebrew 2, Old Testament literature, and intertestamental studies. So welcome today, and I appreciate you being here. Oh, thank you. It's nice to be here. And um, like I said, we've, we've known each other a few years and um, had fun in classes together and, and all of that. Um, and here you are getting your PhD. And so I'm very proud of you. Very impressed. Oh, I thank you. It's, it's actually a doctor of ministry. Okay. And my PhD, you're right. My PhD is in education. Right. She, yeah, that's right. This is, this is my second degree. Um, I was well into my sixties and God said on my heart, God lays on my heart things for me to do. And he put on my heart, the desire to go back to school. And in particular, um, to study messianic Judaism. And that's a wonderfully long, beautiful story also. But I did, and I talked to the Messianic rabbis I knew at the time, said, what is your opinion? And they said, the King's University, and uh, the process just mellowed out nicely. Mm -hmm. And then I came to Dr. David Rudolph, and he wrote me a letter back, and he said, upon my application, I need you to answer this question. And it was like a two or three page response. And I thought, oh my gosh, I must not have filled in enough information. And I filled it out. And he sent back a second essay question asking the same information. And then his secretary said, well, you've done exactly what we expected and we welcome you to the program. And I thought, well, that's that's nice. And I asked, I, I want to marry, bury, baptize, immerse, and help with circumcision. Mm-hmm. That's my goal. That's my goal. Okay. And then uh two years into the program, oh, this is this is a tearjerker, Dr. David Call of the seminary, uh Dan Call, excuse me, of the seminary school of TKU called and said. Are you ready for this? You're sitting down. (laughs) David Rudolph would like you to be his understudy. And I said, oh my gosh, I would love to do that. But of course, I have to take uh, many classes. And one will be a trip to Israel. And one will be a trip to England. Wow. To look at some of the literature and and the libraries there. And I thought, oh my gosh, when God calls... (laughs) <laughs> he really calls. Wow. And so I'm excited. This fall, 
I'm tickled because I should be able to do the Mary Berry baptize piece. <laughs> and so I can have people over to my home and, and we can pray and uh, sing worship and just have a lot of fun, but a lot of seriousness too. I would like to um, preach about the Old Testament literature. And my husband has his master's of divinity is from an Ivy League school. And he will speak on the New Testament because that was his study. And his language research is um, Greek. Okay. I will do Old Testament. I'm thinking of my words. So thank you for your patience. I will do Old Testament study with Hebrew. He will do New Testament study with Greek. And so that is for me a nice marriage. It is. Definitely. (laughs) It does. Absolutely. Because I often tell people my husband's Greek. So there were parts about the (laughs) uh, New Testament and the culture of the, of course, the Greek people that he totally understood. Um, But what I enjoy so much is the Hebrew part of it. And even looking for the Hebrew, the Aramaic that's within the New Testament, because we still had Jewish men writing. Exactly. You know, so there's an undercurrent there of the Jewishness of even the New Testament of the words, of course, that Jesus spoke himself. Um, He was a, he was and is the Jewish Messiah. So he's very much um, a Jewish man. So we can't take that away from what he said and, and the audience, the audience, people who listen to him teach were very much Jewish. So, yeah. So there's a lot to consider when we look at the Bible as a whole and off and also in its parts. Exactly. And we see in the old Testament, Jesus, we see in the new Testament, the Old Testament, Jesus, and it's just phenomenal. We mm-hmm. know because we love to read the Bible, the importance of Isaiah, mm-hmm. where we see Messiah prophesized. It's just, it's phenomenal. And he and I, bless our souls, um, finish each other's sentences. So that I see you're smiling. You know what that relationship is like. And um, I will go ahead and do a 20-minute study on the parasha for the week mm-hmm. um, with the Hebrew. I, I want to, for my audience who will be there, the, the family, the church family, I want them to hear the Hebrew. And um, I'll talk about what's going on and, and who the characters were of the time mm-hmm. period. Uh, we talk about people chopping off the Old Testament. Well, it, it gets even better in the sense that they create their own Old Testament and they create their own understanding without having the research or the language. Oh, that language is so rich. What did those Hebrew words mean? That's right. Yeah, we talked about that. You and I, we've talked about it on different occasions, what the Hebrew means and that it's not just 
uh, one dimensional language. It's it's a three dimensional language. It's it's got pictures. It has numeric value. Exactly. All those things. Oh, exactly. It's it's phenomenal, and the Lord seems to put people in place and time, so that individuals who take the class will feel right at home. They don't have to take anything beforehand. They don't necessarily have to take anything with them, but they will. Mm-hmm. But just being in the presence and hearing the word and saying the word and praying the word will bring it to their hearts. Mm-hmm. I am taking Hebrew from an institute called Holy Language Institute. And I was telling somebody else about it and he goes, well, yeah, he goes, uh, Hebrew is a holy language. He goes, do you know there are no bad words, no curse words in Hebrew because it's a holy language? Exactly. Exactly. So it's very amazing. We don't think of those things. And if the Israelis want to curse, they have to use another language. They actually have to use English words or some other language. (laughs) (laughs) yes i agree with you and and see how profound and how beautiful that is Mm -hmm. no matter what we study it's god's word it's god's glory it's god's grace Mm -hmm. and it brings it home to the heart Mm -hmm. so i'm excited about it we'll see right we'll see yes we will. So I'm excited for you. That's very exciting. We've also talked a little bit about um, Jennifer Rosner. She's a professor that you're actually taking a class from, and she's also an author. And I've read a book of hers called Finding Messiah. And I think the rest of the title is the um, Understanding the Jewishness of the Gospels. And it was an awesome book. And in it, she does talk about anti-Semitism. And because she, she, being a Messianic Jew, she she calls herself the, um, I think it's like the lonely middle, in a sense. The um, it's, it's like between being Jewish and being a Christian, it, they're somewhere in the middle of all of that. And she talks about that in her book because... The Jews, the Orthodox don't accept Messianics. And then the Christians are like, well, you have to be a Christian. Give up all that Jewish stuff and be a Christian. And she's and and for the longest time she did. People didn't even know she was a a Jewish woman mm-hmm. because she under she just kind of took all the Christian ease and presented herself as that. And it wasn't, I think, in the book she describes a time that she opened up to a professor and said, I'm actually Jewish and, and, um, and they were very surprised and, and, but they encouraged her to, you know, to not give that up, not hide that away. And I think that, um, she's just such an interesting author and person, and I'm really been trying to get her on my podcast. So hopefully sometime I will, but, um, but you have the opportunity to take classes from her and you're learning about anti-Semitism, if, if I understand correctly. I think you're absolutely right. Lovely person, well-educated, well-traveled. She met her husband, Yona, Mm -hmm. in Israel. And they have a home in Israel. And they have a home in California. And so uh, Dr. Rosner has lots of opportunities 
to travel back and forth. And uh, the first two years of her marriage, if I understood her story correctly, uh, was spent in Jerusalem. And she went in happy heart, ready to go, ready to study. And she said the darkness and the fighting was almost overwhelming. Mm -hmm. That it is an issue to explore and improve upon. Uh, I like the phrase, tikan olam, repair the world, Mm -hmm. right? The Jewish people are called to repair the world. And certainly her descriptions of Jerusalem at times um, fits that category. And she's just brilliant, brilliant individual. And the stories she shares are remarkable. Mm -hmm. And my second favorite anti-Semitism person is Alan Dershowitz, The Case for Israel. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. What an exquisite writer who goes back. He was a lawyer, a judge um, in law for many years and tries. He tries all the disagreements against Israel and why anyone would want to kill Jewish people. And in that process surfaces history Mm. of the time. And it's, it's fascinating. My other favorite author, and I won't hold my book up (laughs) is Deborah Lipstadt. Um, She wrote anti-Semitism here and now, and she is currently um, a representative in uh, the UN, uh, and she is making a case against anti-Semitism, and she's doing mm-hmm. a wonderful job. Uh, so there are, are many books and many speakers out there, and I feel, and, and tell me your your opinion, that the important part is to get the word out, figuratively and literally, that we really need to bring the Bible in its entirety to the world. And that sounds like a massive undertaking because it is, but it's not impossible. And we also need to get, my opinion, enemies of the Jewish people to read the word, to read literature in general. And we, we talked earlier about the poverty of areas in the Arab world, it's, it's just immense. Mm-hmm. And um, I think Israel is doing a, a wonderful job of helping the best they can to eradicate poverty. But as we know, that's very difficult. <laughs> Not been done anywhere right. yet, but they're making a dent. And the communication mm-hmm. gap is, is slowly reducing itself. Unfortunately, we've got accurate media out there (laughs) doing a fantastic job of isolated incidences of when evil occurs. I think readers and viewers have to understand um, the importance of going out and doing their own research. Getting the whole picture. Yes. Talking to people who have been there. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's a wonderful place. Mm-hmm. You're right. And and as I even shared with you earlier with that, you know, when my son was there, he was actually talking to some Palestinian people 
And he goes, so do you hate Israel? And they are like, no, we don't hate Israel. We love Israel. He goes, they have given us jobs. They have given us money that we can provide for our families. He goes, there's such oppression over these borders that we live in. And he goes, and to be able to come into Israel and work and get paid and get food and treated like human beings. I mean, my son was just shocked. He goes, that's not what we hear in the U.S. Back or see. Right. Yeah. Oh, we hear all the worse of yes. how you guys hate oh, them and the how yeah. Israel are the oppressors. And and um, and then even when my husband and I went, when we were up by the borders of Syria and Lebanon, then, or I'm sorry, Jordan, I think it was Jordan, but um, Syria and Jordan that they they have um israel has this whole water system that they have that they in the driest areas of their desert they're growing fruits and vegetables and green plants and and they offered this system to syria they offered to teach them and they turned it down they don't want anything from these jews and then they offered it to jordan and jordan said yes We'll take it. So you can actually see because the land in some areas is so flat and desert like that you can see the border where Israel stops and Syria begins because there's such a stark difference of the green of Israel and the nothingness of Syria. And then you can see Jordan and they're like, they're pointing, there's Jordan and Jordan looks like an extension of Israel. It's green and lush and beautiful. And, and here they are, they're willing to share their technology with their neighbors, you know, but some of their neighbors don't want it. And some of their neighbors would just like to keep bombing. And so there's stories on each side that we need to be aware of. And, and there's always truth, right? I mean, we can even apply that to Bible study. There's there's things that we hear. There's traditions that we hear that yeah. we only get part of the story. But then there's deeper stories. There's deeper meaning and layers upon layers that if you're not willing to dig and do the homework to find out, you miss the blessing of those layers of that deeper meaning. Yeah. So Dr. Rosner is such a wonderful teacher. Mm-hmm. She really is. She allows her students to explore and it was well into the fifth week of class and I asked this question why is it we're not referencing the bible when we talk about anti-semitism and that you turned on a light and it's all in there Mm. how to deal with it how to pray with it how God dealt with it Mm. Uh, and I just think the Bible is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And as we look towards solutions, I know we will also be looking toward the Bible and what it says. And we see it springing up in America. We see it springing up in Israel mm-hmm. and pockets around the world. And that is a revival, mm. a revival of the study of God's word. And just as you were saying, I'm I'm so thankful that you're here and you're in my life, is that each story has deeper and deeper meanings. And anything we experience today was also experienced when the Bible was written. That's right. 
And I feel Jesus came for salvation, number one, Mm. absolutely, to save the world. And I think he did a marvelous job of explaining. I also think he came to teach the rabbis how to teach, Mm. how to teach the word of God. Because as we know, as, as time goes on, people who are teaching will select resources and create their own responses back. And I think Jesus came to show us how to get back on track. Mm. God's word intended. And sometimes he aggravated the leaders of the religious, the Jewish religious at the time. And that's why when I look at our confrontation with hatred and anti-Semitism, I understand that people will be irritated. But just as in Dr. Rosner's teaching, we must allow people to express their opinions. They need to do that is deep inside. Each person, God planted a soul and a flame. And he put his flame in there. Is this what? <laughs> kind of deep <laughs> and needs lots of love and the word just to understand the word. Mm-hmm. You're right. And, and even as I've, you know, read and studied and, and I, I have, and, and, and even in this podcast, I have learned so much from the people that I talk to on the podcast. And, and I remember um, one of my guests, um, from firm and, um, Michael Minstrata. And he said, he goes, many in the church don't realize that when we go to heaven, when we go in, in the, the messianic kingdom is brought to earth, he goes, we're going to be serving a Jewish king. He doesn't cease to be a Jewish king. Exactly. But he is. He is is a Jewish king, but he doesn't cease to be that. Exactly. And we will be serving him as our Jewish king. And we will be living, even Ezekiel talks about the temple. We will go to the temple. We there will even be sacrifices that will be and, and I know that's hard to understand for some people, but there will be there will be the Torah will be the law of the land. Exactly. And the the uh, language of Jesus is Torah. People don't realize that they some people believe, first of all, he's not Jewish. And if he is Jewish, well, he gave that up and he came <laughs> he came in the form of man. And now he's talking and talking. But what he's saying, if one researches it, is Torah. Everything exactly. he says is Torah. And right. uh, it's, it's remarkable. It's remarkable to visit with people in an honest and open fashion and ask the question, is Jesus Jewish? And the responses back are very interesting. Well, he was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. He, he was. was. And then he left and- it all. You know, I'm teasing a little bit. Uh, but people I do feel that. And then if, if you follow up with this question, <laughs> this is terrible. I start so many fights. Well, if Jesus was Jewish, what do you think of his brothers and sisters? 
What do you think of his ancestors today? Does he have ancestors today? And it just gets people thinking. Because mm-hmm. yes, he does. We don't know because time has not recorded those events. But we do know that life went on and that Israel exists and the Jewish people exist. And um, yes, it is very interesting. It is. In the day that Jesus lived and and was a rabbi and walked, you know, where did he go? He went to this tiny bit of real estate on a map that's no bigger than New Jersey. Exactly. On our map. And he lived there his entire life, talking and living with one group of people for the most part. The, I mean, he obviously had interactions with the Gentile people in some the areas around Jerusalem or around Israel. But, but where did he choose to go? He chose to go to Israel. He chose to be born there among the Jewish people and under the condemnation of Adam. He came to be like us and live like us, but live a perfect life. But the, here's the thing of one of what I've learned is that when we strip him of his high priest robes, we make him like a Gentile. And then the Jewish people don't even recognize him as being a high priest as being a Jewish man, as being the Messiah, because we in the church have stripped him of everything Jewish. Yes, yes, exactly. And that is the richness. And that's what I hear you saying has been stripped away. Mm -hmm. And all the good things that could help people in life are stripped away we have his word and we bless his word but if a person doesn't understand the definition to those words then they create their own (laughs) and you get these crazy understandings and so it's so important um and i i invite everybody to take hebrew no matter what age you are Because Mm -hmm. God always talks to your heart. And I always say, the more you know, the more you know. I'm sure someone else said that earlier in life, right? But um, the more one understands the Bible, the deeper, the richer it is. And life just becomes, this is for me, so much easier, if you will comfortable mm-hmm. and the the things that one places emphasis on those idols that we don't even realize mm. disappear i know i know you know we talk about freedom and and my husband and i talk about what it means because you know some people see what is freedom and they said, how can that even be freedom? You're, you're under rules and regulations. How can there be any freedom? But, but when you really understand even Shabbat, that God wants us to rest, how many Christians still work just as hard over the weekend as they do during the week? And maybe it's a different kind of work, but it's still 
hard work. They're, you know, landscaping when it gets nice. They're cleaning, doing spring cleaning in their homes and they don't take a Shabbat rest. They don't take a Sabbath rest. And the, and, and here's the thing. I mean, my husband is very much a worker. He, he will work inside and out. You know, even now he's, he's putting up drywall. You know, he's, he's repairing drywall. He's painting, he's redoing our baseboards. And when he's not doing that, he's working outside on the house, putting up new, you know, windows and stuff like that. He could work seven days a week. But the Lord interrupted his life (laughs) and said, I've given you six days. Mm -hmm. I want the seventh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he's like, but, 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 and he goes, I've given you six days. I want the seventh. Mm -hmm. And he started resting. He, He was obedient and he started resting. And he goes, and I realized that every time something comes up and it's like, oh, I should be. And he's like, nope. I was given permission by God to do nothing today. I was given permission to do absolutely nothing. And there is freedom in there because no matter what even other people say, Hey, can you come help me do this? And, and it's not a matter of help. It's, it's the work, like the actual hard work of not giving this body a rest. And, and, and so it's not doing people a favor. You know, that's not what I'm talking about, but it's, it's like, well, I'm not going to do that kind of hard work. I will help you with that hard work on another day, but today let's just get together and talk and eat lunch. You know, let's just be friends and talk and, and it's so different. It's, he's like, there's freedom. I can say no, because here's my boundary this is my boundary and I'm going to keep this boundary because the Lord's given me this boundary and that there is freedom in that. It's a different kind of freedom than we think of freedom, but it is freedom to just rest. Absolutely. And I would add to that the Shema in the sense of listening. It's hard for me to do and listen at the same time. It was really hard for me to do. And so when I have my day of rest, I stop and I listen. Mm-hmm. It could be something, um, worship on TV. It could be a visitor at the door. It could be my husband. It could just be me with my thoughts in my journal mm-hmm. or me in my Bible So I'm very thankful that Shabbat is so important. Athletes know this, that they cannot continue to exercise their muscles, that they have to stop and rebuild. And so when I look at Shabbat, I think of a rebuilding. God is rebuilding. Mm. And I'm just very thankful very thankful for that. Mm-hmm. I heard one woman put it on Shabbat on on her Sabbath. She puts everything in a boat and says, "Here's all my stuff. Take care of it today because I'm not looking at it. I'm not. I'm not doing it." There you go. And she there goes, go. "And what happens the next day? The Lord has taken everything in that boat and He's reordered it according to priority. He's reordered it and." taken out the stuff that she doesn't need. And she's like, so now I see a whole different list 
for my week or di- list in a different priority for the week coming. And she goes in, he, he not only gave me rest from my to-do list, he rearranged my to, my to-do list while I'm resting. Mm-hmm. You bring up just another good point, And that is humanism mm-hmm. that humankind has a tendency to think he or she has the answers which is true they do have answers (laughs) but god god has the guidance Mm. and that moment in silence rearranges for me at least mistakes that might have occurred in the upcoming week in in family life and i often uh, sit in in wonder and thanksgiving for the grace that God gives me, uh, people sometimes will think grace is just given. Mm. Well, here, this is the gift. You got the grace. Now you can go on. But I believe grace is an understanding. God is going to give me an understanding in how I need to proceed. Mm. Um, This is nothing new. George Washington back in the day was very religious, very faithful, and structured the founding uh, documents of his time period, or at least gave input, according to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus is a structure of organization. Mm. Sometimes people have the idea, well, it's laws, and there's 613. Well, that's true, but it goes back to, do you understand? Mm. You know, that's not all for men. That is that it's it's divided into responsibilities. Uh, Jethro, Moses's uh, father-in-law, said to him early on, "You're trying to take on the management of the entire. These are my words of interpretation. The entire management of the Hebrew people." which some people guesstimate 600,000, 700,000. <laughs> and he really was because he knew God and he was full forward. He, he knew he could get it done. Mm-hmm. But his, his father-in-law says, said to him, you know, why don't you find some good men who can help you with these responsibilities? And that's what God tells me on Shabbat. Why don't you find blah, blah, blah <laughs> to help you with? And I, I am just so thankful. I'm just so thankful. Um, the Jewish people, even of today, who uh, understand Torah, will explain how valuable it is to have that quiet time and how valuable it is to keep that quiet time simple Mm -hmm. very good point my my first choice of behavior is well we need to have this and then i'll put out these dishes and i'll have this meat and and it's it's you know the martha and mary thing right Uh um and when i decided no that's not necessary how can I do this same thing simpler and give my time to God? Mm-hmm. So I'm very thankful. I believe the study 
of uh, the Old Testament is wonderful. I think everyone should espouse the learning and, and listen to one's heart. God will call you. He will tell you exactly where to go. People who came in my path before I attended TKU, like um, Rabbi Eric Lakatos from Tikva Israel in a New York second said, you need to go to the King's University. And that was repeated to me the King's University. And the audience might not know this. I live in Evans, Georgia. (laughs) And the King's University is in South Lake, Texas. So that was a stretch, but God knew. He knew Mm -hmm. a wonderful online program. And that was my concern. My second concern was I can do all this online. And the response I felt in my heart was, I am doing this. Mm, that's beautiful. Oh, gosh. oh my gosh. You know, it's, it's a tearjerker mm-hmm. because it was a very moving moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, yeah. How often we think I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to figure this all out. And the Lord's like, I have it figured out already. Oh my gosh. And you can feel that. You can feel that in your heart. That's beautiful. Um, One last thing, because we're running out of time, which I often do way before I'm ready. But you brought up something and you brought up the Shema and the Shema is to obey it's to hear and obey and but it's it's love the lord your god with all your heart soul and might and then jesus added to it even and so does deuteronomy but added to the second is like the first love your neighbor as yourself and something that was so like revelational to me was that the very torah tells us how to do both amen Amen. So we don't know how to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and might, but the Torah tells us how to. We don't know how to love our neighbor as ourselves, but Leviticus has a whole bunch of stuff in there about how to love your neighbor, how to treat the people around you. You don't covet what is theirs. You, you, you know, even how to treat animals for crying out loud, you know, it's, It's amazing when you start understanding that he tells us how to treat his creation, how to treat the soil, how to treat the neighbor's donkey, how to treat a bird when the bird falls and you take the eggs out of her nest. I mean, every so many things are in there, but as Christians and even pastors, we don't want to study. We don't want to look at that old Torah. That doesn't apply to us today, but it's so does. Exactly. You you bring up such a good point. And I hear this amongst pastors as I'm entering that group. Well, I only have so much time to spend on this sermon. And I, I think in my heart, and I always pray to God, what do you want me to say? Uh, because I want my words to be good. You are not preparing that sermon. God is. You need to do the Shema thing. You need to listen, to listen. And if even pastors 
do not take that Shabbat. They're not going to hear it. Right. And they, they do right. the research. I'm not saying anything bad about anybody else. But I think you tell me, Stephanie, to be a good pastor is to be a good listener. Be good student. Yes, absolutely. Both. Yes. Amen. That's that's so good. And yes, how many pastors don't take any kind of rest during the week? And it's what they need. It's what they need. There's burnout. And I think, oh, the, the statistics are amazing. How many pastors end up, they never retire in, in as a pastor. They leave and they leave broken and tired. Exactly. And that feeling is projected on to the congregation. I am tired but I'm going to write this. <laughs> I'm not making fun of anybody and who knows, right? But there's a lesson here and it, it's uh, the work must be done, as you said, by humankind. But the work must also be done in listening. Shema Israel. Shema, listen. And listening in the Jewish sense meant to obey. Exactly, it is. And one obeys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we hear to say that we heard, but God says, hear. <laughs> yes. "Yes, but when God says, hear me for those who have ears to hear, he's saying for those who have ears to obey, exactly. he's saying, obey me. Don't just hear me with your physical ears, but obey me, do it. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's, Profound. So, so deep. Um, I asked the question of my colleagues online, what is love? And I, I responded to my own question. So it became a rhetorical question. God is love. And I'm, I went back to Deuteronomy and I took the section you were referring to earlier about Uh, I am the Lord thy God. These aren't the exact words, but this is what he was uh, writing at the time Moses was writing. Um, I am the Lord thy God, not all other icons. (laughs) I am, I am. How many times do we hear that in the Bible? I am, God is. And one thing humankind must do is praise God and worship God and listen and obey God. It's all God is love. And Mm -hmm. humankind, humanism is to run around and look for it. What was the song? Looking for love in all the wrong places, right? And it's just human nature. But what happens when we look for love in God? Mm -hmm. You're right. And if you take 1 Corinthians 13 and replace the word love is with God is. Oh, wow. Now you see who God is. Oh, wow. God does not keep a record of wrongs, right? God is kind. God is patient. I mean, you could take the whole section and remove the word love and just put God in there. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to journal about this today. (laughs) But that is true. It's a beautiful because thing. People think, well, if if so and so will 
love me, then I have to love her back or love him back. And then I must do A, B, and C, and... 1 Corinthians 13 tells us who God is. Among others, right? Among the whole Old Testament, among the whole Torah. Um, but this was wonderful. Thank you so much. I so enjoyed talking with you like this. And it's I appreciate you being here. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Now, talk to me for just a minute about your writing. What What are you working on currently? I am really just working on podcasting right now. But I have a, um, I'm going to be teaching a class on Covenant through Basora. And um, and then I hope to write a Bible study on Covenant. Wow. So, so that's my plan. That's my goal. Oh, God bless. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Grafted Jewish Roots of Christianity. You can find me at www.graftedjewishroots.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Grafted Jewish RT. I appreciate you being with me, and I'll see you next time.